Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Very happy to be with you as we speak in this episode about the topic of mindfulness. Now, this is a word we're hearing more and more, which to me is certainly good news, having taught meditation and various mental and emotional skills for over four decades. The idea that we are finally becoming aware of awareness itself is remarkable. None too soon, I might add. And that's what mindfulness is, sometimes called meta-awareness. It's being aware that you are aware. In other words, we can think, but there are various levels of how aware we are of the thought process while we're doing it. We can feel emotions, but how aware are we of those emotional feelings? You ever see someone, for example, deny that they're angry when obviously they're really raging? We can be aware of our behavior. It could be reflexive, rather knee-jerk and unaware, or increasingly deliberate or purposeful, aware of our behavior. And in the same way, we can be aware of the world around us to varying degrees. Often we take the same path to work or to school and pay little or no attention to our surroundings. And you can easily prove this to yourself by one day, going along a familiar route, look for something you've never seen before and become aware of the fact that it's there. We can also consider the fact that human beings only hear generally between the frequencies of 20 hertz or 20 cycles per second and 20 kilohertz, which would be 20,000 cycles per second. Below 20 hertz or above 20 kilohertz, there are sounds we cannot hear. Your dog might be able to hear them. A bat might be able to hear high frequencies. Uh, Most children can hear a mosquito, but as we get older, it gets increasingly difficult to hear that very high frequency buzz. Many, many adults after age 35 or 40 cannot hear the buzz of a mosquito. But often they're unaware of the <laughs> of the fact that they've lost that level of hearing awareness. In our vision, we only see between red and violet. We cannot see any frequency of light below red or above violet. Are there frequencies of colors out there that we cannot see? Of course. And sounds that we cannot hear? Of course. Well, now think about this. And then consider that 85% of the mass of the universe is so-called dark matter. We're totally unaware of dark matter. It does not reflect light. It cannot be impacted by electromagnetism. You can't touch dark matter or feel 
dark matter. It's a very ghostly element. We only know it exists as 84.5% of the total mass of the universe because of the effect that its gravity has on other tangible bodies, so to speak. So we're unaware of the bulk of the mass that surrounds us. Now, the point of all of this is that while we can be aware of our thoughts to varying degrees and our emotional feelings, our behavior, and the world around us, to a limited extent, we can also be aware of awareness itself. And that's where being aware arguably becomes being awareness, where you exist as awareness. You identify not as the thinker or not as being overwhelmed by your emotions, but as the awareness of those thoughts, feelings, and physical experiences, as well as the world around us in which we are immersed. To be aware of awareness, that's my definition of mindfulness. There are many others. A famous definition is the one by John Kabat-Zinn, who has written extensively on what he calls mindfulness-based stress reduction. And Kabat-Zinn defines mindfulness as being aware or paying attention moment to moment in a particular moment without judgment. And that's another important part because if we begin to judge, to label, to categorize, to analyze, to decide if something is right or wrong or could be better and maybe we ought to change it and doesn't this need to be fixed, all of that cognition reduces our awareness as opposed to accepting what is. Now, that's a frightening word for many people, especially in the West. Acceptance sounds like giving up or giving in or throwing in the towel. It's conciliation. It's surrender. No, it's actually not any of those things. You see, acceptance is not the end of things. It's where we begin and acceptance is merely acknowledging reality as it actually is, right here, right now, in this moment, without any judgment of it whatsoever. That's expanded awareness. That's higher consciousness. And the practice is usually called mindfulness meditation. In the East, it's known as vipassana sometimes also called sati, or insight meditation. And in most cases, it's not about concentration or suppressing your thoughts. It's about being aware of whatever goes on. So usually we start by watching our breathing. This is the classic Buddhist technique from 2,500 years ago to simply observe your body breathing itself all by itself. You close your eyes, you relax, you put your attention on the bottom of your nose, 
You don't follow the breath into the lungs and back out. You just remain fixed as if on that ridge line of cartilage between the nostrils. And watch the in-breath spill over the rim of your nostrils and then pause before it comes back out again. Not deliberate breathing, though at any time we could deliberately hold our breath or choose to take a deeper-than-normal breath or exhale forcefully. But when you're done with all of that, the body breathes itself. And the whole idea is to watch the body breathing itself all by itself. And then to practice being aware of the distractions. So you don't admonish yourself for the break in concentration that you realize sooner rather than later in most cases, where your mind has become bored and begins to drift off and think according to its own agenda. Not purposeful, deliberate thoughts, not task-related thoughts, but what used to be called stream of consciousness or trains of thoughts. Monkey mind, it's often called, or task-unrelated thinking. Just those thoughts that generate themselves when you're not really driving the mind, so to speak. You're not solving the problem, balancing your checkbook, making a list of trying to make a series of decisions. You're using your mind deliberately when you do that, but it's a lot like the breathing. When we stop thinking, the mind will think itself, but that's not us. Those are just thoughts that we don't necessarily have to agree with at all. In the same way that if we stop deliberate, forceful breathing, holding our breath or exhaling strongly, Everything is cool because the body just sort of breathes itself. But you are not the breather and you are not the thinker. You are the awareness of the breath. You are the awareness of the thought. You can do the exercise also with emotional feelings, with sensations in your body, with environmental sounds, uh, a mantra, a visual aid, a yantra, so-called, that you gently fix your attention on, and then you just wait for the mind to pull you off. Again, the goal is not to maintain perfect concentration. It's to reduce the amount of time it takes you to become aware of the fact that you've been distracted. And as soon as the mind pulls you off, or it could be some physical sensation in your body, as I say, or it could be some emotion comes up and carries you away. Emotions can trigger thoughts. Thoughts can trigger emotions. They're felt in the body. I mean, it's a triangle, thought, feeling, and emotion. You touch one, the other two are going to be affected. And so in a mindfulness meditation, we practice watching this happen for 10 or 20 minutes a day. And as soon as you realize that your mind is on something other than your breathing, put a little smile on your face. You don't beat yourself up. 
or admonish yourself. You simply let it go and bring your attention back to that fixed point on the bottom of your nose and watch your body breathing itself all by itself. So I suggest you start with the breathing and then after, oh, a week or ten days of doing that once a day, you can substitute thoughts and take a step back as you relax and become really curious about this automatic stream of thinking, this uh, monkey mind or task unrelated thoughts that have their own agenda. The mind thinks. It's a phenomena of mind that it perpetually thinks. Even when we're asleep, the mind continues to think, as evidenced by the dreams we often recall when we wake up. So that's what the mind does. But you are the awareness. This is the big breakthrough. You're not the thinker. You're the awareness of whatever you put your attention on, your breathing, your thoughts, your feelings, something out there in the world, a beautiful flower, a baby's face, playing with the dog, petting the kitten, watching a sunset, or the way the sunlight comes through the leaves of a group of trees. And this wakes us up. This expands our awareness. This is so-called higher consciousness. Now, you may say at this point, well, that all sounds pretty cool, but what are the benefits? Why would I want, seems like a waste of time. Why would I want to do something like that? Well, it's difficult to describe. It's like, how do you explain a rainbow or a sunset to a person that, has never seen such a thing. Someone born blind, for example, they may have their own experience of the stillness just before the sun goes down and the fact that the birds are getting quieter and quieter and perhaps the crickets are starting to chirp. Certainly a person without vision would have a sensory experience that's similar to watching the sun go down, but how do you explain it? And so there's so much in the world that becomes available to you that, that is rich, that is beautiful, that is inspiring, that is, well, in today's vernacular, awesome, right? Inducing awe and wonder and a sense of, the magnificence of life. There is significance in that expanded awareness. There is meaning in that higher consciousness. It also puts you in touch with your values, with your ethics, with your morals. And you begin to realize you are less what you think of yourself than you are what you care about, how you feel about things. You're more that than your cold logic and analytical thoughts. What do you care about? What's important to you and, and why is it important? You also become more intuitive, more insightful, more likely to 
benefit from and appreciate the aha experience of Eureka Illumination, where new information arises full-blown, as if already thought out, large overarching conceptualizations of, again, understanding. That's what awareness is. You could call it knowledge, but understanding really transcends knowledge. You can know things that you don't understand very well, but you have to have knowledge in order to move on to understanding, which is often called wisdom. The breakdown is data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. So you could say, well, I understand the data, but I don't really get the bigger flow of information. Oh, I understand that now. I understand the data and I understand the information, but I don't really feel too knowledgeable about it yet. Oh, wait a minute. I'm becoming more experienced, more well-read. I'm studying with a teacher. I now understand the data and the information, and I understand the knowledge. And you might say, well, that's it. I've arrived. But there's knowing what you do not know, which is a significant part of wisdom to realize what there is yet to understand beyond the knowledge that you have. And so that would be the fourth level in the pyramid, wisdom, the highest level of awareness, intelligence, and understanding. Data from the bottom up, data, information, knowledge, and wisdom, understanding, unfolding, and progressing. It's a pretty cool model, and not uncommon in data management and the business world. It's a hierarchy that I'm pretty sure even has a name. I'm just not sure what they call it anymore. I used to just call it the D-I-K-W hierarchy. (laughs) Not the most clever name, but it's one way of remembering it. The D-I-K-W data information knowledge and wisdom hierarchy or pyramid. Other benefits include empathy. It certainly makes sense that As you understand yourself better emotionally based on what you care about and what's important to you in a feeling sense, that you would be able to be more empathetic and more sympathetic to other people and feel what they're feeling or a sense of what they're feeling. And compassion follows on which is a quality of love, not merely as an emotional affinity, but the higher qualities of love, love your enemy kind of love, which is awareness, again, and the refusal to be afraid or stressed. Love your enemy means do not be afraid, but ask yourself, why have they chosen to be your enemy? Or why have you chosen to view them as an enemy? What is there for you to be more aware of in this relationship that could be changed and reframed 
and then the whole idea of we are enemies disappears. Right? So those are just some of the benefits that come from Vipassana or mindfulness meditation. And that's about it for this first of two episodes on mindfulness meditation. I'll be back in, uh, oh, probably 10 days or two weeks with our next podcast. And we'll actually spend like 12 or 15 minutes doing a mindfulness exercise that you can replay and use my narrative as a guide while you just get started in the practice, okay? Now, I want to remind you that you can always reach me by email at my initials at theagelesswisdom.com. So MB, like Mary Baker, my initials, MB at theagelesswisdom.com. I read all my email personally, and I answer it when appropriate, which is usually the case. And you can also schedule a free intake session if you're interested in doing one-on-one work over the telephone. I work a lot with expanding self-awareness, career development and advancement, leadership skills, and anxiety disorders in particular. If you're having a problem with just general stress or more specifically insomnia or panic attacks or obsessive-compulsive disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We have a non-therapeutic educational approach that we can do over the telephone in private and confidential sessions. It's very affordable. It's even guaranteed. There's, there's, there's a money-back guarantee. Try and find a therapist who will do that for you. And uh, we're happy to schedule you into a free mini session, a little intake session, so you can get to know me, ask me what I think I can do for you, as I understand your goals and uh, the benefits you're looking for, I'll give you a sense of what I think I can do for you, and then if you want to schedule a session, we can do that. Again, just shoot me an email if that's something you're interested in, MB, like Michael Benner or Marie Baker, MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks very much for listening. Remember, we have the book Fearless Intelligence coming out later this year. Haven't talked about it much, but we will in the future as the publication date gets closer and closer, I promise you. Very much appreciate you being here. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Palm Springs, California, this is Michael Bender. So long.